right, we're going to be talking about Love and Marriage DC, Season 1, Episode 2, Coldest Winter Ever. So, you already know what it is. Let's get into it. All right, so we are talking about episode two. Monique and Ashley meet up and talk about struggles in their marriages. Monique talks about them coming up on 10 years and not being sure they can make it another 10 if he won't listen to her issues and her needs. Ashley also talks about feeling this, uh, asking, she was asking, did they feel the seven year itch? And Monique was like, I don't think so. I think we're feeling it now. And Ashley said, they definitely went through that and how she was struggling with having two young kids and, you know, how difficult that period was. And she talks about how she had to drop out of school twice because they didn't have help for the kids. And now she wants to take the time to do what she wants to do. You know, she's happy that in Monique, she feels like she has true support. And when it comes to marriage and struggles. We move on to the next thing, which is Ashley talking about how quick, um, quick comes home and says he has an opportunity and then he just leaves. However, when she wants to go do something, she has to make arrangements to be sure that he can handle it. Okay, wait, this is all in the same scene. I don't know why I separated it like that, but Monique talks about how she can agree with that. She discusses how people don't truly understand from the outside because they see the man and they see him as hands-on with his kids they see him as being a good husband and so it makes it makes it kind of seem like they can't complain like they're not allowed to complain because people will see them as ungrateful for all that their husbands do and Monique says she wants to have Ashley and Quick over for a vegan dinner that she's throwing and um Ashley says she's into it because she's basically a pescatarian Ashley asked if they'll be having any more kids, and Monique said not unless she didn't hop off in time. She talks about how her form of birth control is the pull-out method, and Ashley talks about on her podcast, she says she doesn't take birth control, she takes chances. She talks about how she thought she was going into early menopause because she was starting to have some hot flashes and sweating and stuff, and she's like, I'm not ready to turn into an old hag at 36, and I'm like, why why I gotta be an old hag? Why, 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 what's with you in age, girl? What's, what's the deal? You're still young. I mean, if it comes, it comes, you know what I'm saying? But basically she was just talking about, they were both talking about till menopause. Basically they got to use pill out method to not get pregnant again. And I'm like, well, neither one of y'all husbands want to get a vasectomy or you don't want them to get a vasectomy or what's the deal there? Is it that y'all husbands are like, if we have more kids, we have more kids? Or, like, because that sounds, that sounds tough to do for another possibly 10 years. You know, I'm just curious about that. Um, And then she starts talking about, uh, Ashley talks about how she's going to get Botox on her underarms to actually stop the sweating. And she says she actually wants to get lipo on her armpits too because she feels like her armpits look like a look like a vagina, except they can't get pregnant. And I was like, "Girl, you are silly, you are silly." Um, but yeah, that's basically what happens with them. They seem like they have a really good camaraderie and a good friendship, and they have fun. Um, it's always hard with these shows because you don't really know like who really knows each other and who kind of just 
is bringing people on for the show, you know. But either even if they're new for even if they're new ish friends, they seem to have a good rapport with each other. So that's that's cool. We move on to Quicksilver, and he talks about, um, you know, he talks about his job. Um, he not only is he a DJ like DJing at parties and stuff like that, but he's also a radio personality. And he talks about his partner, Sean Caesar, and he calls him his everything, his manager and his partner. And I'm thinking like, I don't know if it was just the way he described him. Like, oh, okay. So you don't give your attention to Ashley because your business partner slash dad slash manager slash whatever. He's the one who gets most of your attention and that's a that's an issue. Like, I totally get why this relationship is is crucial in your life and super important. But at some point, I think because all those things are wrapped up in one, you forgot that part of being a good husband isn't just providing a good life for your family, but actually being present for your family. Like making sure that your wife feels fulfilled too. And I think. I wonder what that's going to look like. And sometimes when a person is used to being the focal point, they have a hard time transitioning and pulling back so that they can give their partner that same support and letting their partner be the focal point. So I'm definitely curious to see over the course of this show how he learns how to give Ashley the shine that she needs and that she really truly deserves. Because what I hear, Sean is basically your number one. He's, I mean, he's your number two. He's, and, and Ashley comes after that. That's what it sounds like to me. Um, Sean, he was talking about how his partner, Sean, has been with DTLR since 1996. And that he was brought on in 1998. And they built, they built a studio at the office. And, you know, he kind of goes a little more in depth with how Sean... Um, kind of took him under his wing after Quick lost his dad at 18. And, you know, Sean gave him this, you know, he's basically whatever support you need. I'm here for you. And, you know, in the middle of them talking about business, Julius Grant III, who's a rep for CIAA, an organization that hosts tournaments for several HBCUs, he comes into the office. And they're talking about basically the events were in North Carolina, I believe, for a long time, but they're actually having events in Baltimore. And so Quick says he worked their events, yeah, in Charlotte for many years. But obviously, they still want him to work with them now that they're moving up to Baltimore. I'm not sure if it's temporary or if this is their new new location. Um, but Sean and Quick talk, t- Quicksilver talk about how busy it can be. And they talk about how they overwork, how quick worked himself into like basically into the hospital and passing out at while he's DJing and just doing too much, pushing himself into exhaustion. And he already knows when he tells Ashley about it, she's not going to be happy because obviously this is not a new pattern. So yeah, I don't know. I'm just kind of like, I think it's hard because I think you get addicted to being a workaholic. And I think if you're working at your purpose and something that you enjoy doing and you don't see it as work, sometimes you are going to push yourself to the brink because you just, you don't want to let go because you don't want nobody else to step in. You may feel like your time isn't done. And how does someone who 
has that kind of lifestyle, how do they pull back enough to share the spotlight? Because, I mean, it's very clear that Ashley is a star. And, um, you know, she's ready to have her time. She's ready to 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 step into her moment. So I, I'm just, I'm really, really curious to see over the course of this show, you know, depending on how long it lasts, how we're going to see that transition play out. Because he's going to have to pull back in order to let her have her time and and I think that it's time for her you know because with them having a 9 or 14 year old yeah in the next four years your son might go off to college but he might not (laughs) and even then you're still going to have a 13 year old daughter and so you know your job your your work is not done it may not be as time consuming as it is with a baby or little little kids because it those that takes a, a lot more time and commitment but it's still a never-ending process. So I'm definitely interested in their story and seeing how this all plays out. Next, we move on to Monique, who's meeting with some folks from WPGC. She's taking a meeting about them being interested in possibly having her join the morning show. They said they want a mom perspective. And, you know, they know she has a following coming from Real Housewives of Potomac. And, you know, they tell her that just know it's early morning. So you have to wake up at the crack of dawn, you know, on a daily, I mean, basically Monday through Friday to do this. And she's, her first thought is, I mean, she reminds me of myself in that way. Like she's like, I can do that. Just let me know where I need to be and we can make the transition to make it happen. That's not a problem. But she, she is thinking about how Chris is going to handle, you know, getting up early and getting the kids ready on a daily basis for school and, you know, stuff like that. And I think she's just a little worried he can, if he can handle it. Um, but she's like, if you need me, I'll be there. And I would be the same way. Like, that's not even the discussion. We're going to make it work because I want to do this. I want to be a part of it. And, you know, I'm going to make it happen. I would love that. Like to work for a radio station. That would be like, that's definitely one of those things that would be like high up on my list of things to do. So they, you know, they basically say like, they're not saying they want her, but it's kind of feeling like they might want her. That's how she feels, I'm sure. And, you know, while they're talking to her, they, they're like, you know, we want to make sure you're the right fit. And we want to be sure you're not going to be bringing, like, that drama, like, that reality TV drama. And she's basically like, listen, I don't start nothing. I'm going to finish it. If it comes to me, I'm going to handle it. But I'm not going to start anything um, about, you know, that kind of stuff that y'all saw on TV. And in the confessional, she talks about how she's still traumatized from that other show. And I just, I mean, she references so many times. I'm just like, okay, it's overkill. I get it. We we get it. You're traumatized as if you just had nothing to do with it and everything happened to you. But okay. Okay, Lonnie. Sure. Sure. We're going to go with that. Um, And she basically says, I think, I think she, she's very confident that things are going to work out. So we move on to the other scene, which is Chris. He meets up with Kevin, who's Winter's soon-to-be ex. And, you know, Chris is just like, from what I know, Kevin's been a good guy. And I just feel like, you know, his his truth needs to be heard. So I want to hear his perspective because there's always three sides to a story. And, you know, Chris basically talks about, like, he thought it was crazy that they were breaking up because they just recently, like, seemed like they were perfect together. And I I don't know enough, enough about Winter to make a, an allegation. But I just kind of wonder, like, did you marry this man because you thought it could secure your spot on Love and Marriage DC? 
because when they show the, the flash of them talking like she seems like super excited and we love each other and we we are doing it all the time and we've done it eight times in one day and it, it feels like a sale like you're selling yourself because you know perhaps her actually being in a secured relationship would have given her a better opportunity of being part of the main cast i mean she's featured on the show but she's not part of the main cast that's my theory i don't know that for sure i doubt that she would say that but it just <laughs> i wouldn't be surprised i wouldn't be surprised because there's things that come out a little bit in the, the like the next episode where you're just like mm, this seems like a terrible decision and i don't understand and i have questions and i'm not judging but i was just i just want to know because what so yeah, so anyway, so he he's talking to Chris about, I mean, Kevin, uh, Chris is talking to Kevin about how he just doesn't understand how things went wrong. And Kevin says close to a year into their marriage, he was accused of stealing company money to take his kids ice skating. And that wasn't true because he's never taken him, taking them ice skating. You know, he's basically trying to plead his case, but it was difficult because, you know, uh, Winter just came out of her drama with her previous marriage. And, you know, I think, she probably is a little more weary of the BS. And so he just, you know, he says, like, the kids accused me of, they, they said I would love bomb her and take care of her and, you know, make sure she was, make sure she had whatever she needed. And Chris says, you know, in contrast, he's gotten lazy on that end. And it seems like no matter what he does these days, it's never enough for Monique. And, um, he says he feels like he could do little things to work himself back to that. But, you know, he's just not there yet. And Kevin wants Winter to know how serious he is about her and her kids. And he misses her kids. And his kids ask, where's Mama Winter? And it was, he 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 gave up some crocodile tears. And I was just like, I don't, I don't know. For some reason, I just don't believe this man. Like, maybe some of it's true. But when he, when he started trying to tear up, I was like, I don't... I don't know. This just this feels like a feels like a fraudulent situation. I don't I don't know if you're acting. I don't know if you're lying. I just I don't know. Something just don't <laughs> sit right. So yeah, I wasn't sure about that. Uh it's not a good look. So um moving on quickly to with Jamie and their other friend Neil. And, you know, Jamie talks about how his entertainment business, J&J, that's his baby. And, you know, he's been doing it since 2009. And they're talking about the CIAA, I guess, this block of time and how there's going to be parties and events. And theirs are coming up at the same time. But they're supposed to, like, end off everything with a finale, you know, together. And Quick asks Jamie, he's like, I mean, let me know if I'm asking too much. But he was wondering how Arena feels about him getting back into the nightlife. And I'm assuming maybe because of COVID and having to step away. But now everything's kind of getting back to normal-ish, kind of, sort of. And, um, you know, Quick says he wonders if she feels insecure about the nightlife and the women that are always around. And Jimmy, Jamie says basically, like, that was an issue 10 years ago, but not really now. And he said that 10 years ago, you know... Arena would get upset and jealous if he was liking ladies' pictures on social media. And, you know, Quick says, honestly, he's like, I'm thankful for my wife because it takes a strong woman to be married to a man who's a part of this lifestyle. And I was like, okay. Okay, Quick. Kudos. 
Um, again, nothing solid, but it wouldn't surprise me if Jamie, you know, maybe had some indiscretions in the past. Like, maybe not now, but back when. Um, and they, they do kind of brush on that, like, talk about it again. But, yeah, he he's an attractive man. Um, and I do think when you're in a nightlife, you're in a club, you got, you know, women who don't care. They don't care that you're married. If they're attracted to somebody and they want them, they're going for them. You know, you got, you just got a whole bunch of influence in the nightlife and it's rarely just like, hey, let's be friends. Let's chit and chat. Um, so yeah, I could totally understand it. I'm not sure that I could handle that. I'm not sure I could do that like night after night, even if you bring it in money, just knowing that it's on some, I trust you more than I trust them, but I also know you're just, you're a man and you're flesh and there's temptation everywhere and you're in the midst of that temptation and it would be hard for me to like it would be hard for me to deal with that so it's true kudos to the women to the wives um we move on and where monique she she's uh in the kitchen with their personal chef chef Mel, who's cooking vegan food for the dinner and um you know monique talks about like how first when she people started going vegan she was like this is crazy and now that's you know that's basically what she's the direction she's moving into she's not tempted by me you can wave bacon in her face it doesn't matter she's not you know she she feels nothing when it comes to that and um she talks to chris about how her meeting went with everybody at wpgc and she says she feels confident that the spot is hers and she talks about how um some people are like oh you know my husband that's my fourth child and she's like I don't want that that's not what I signed up for I want a husband I want a support system that's what she talks she's talking about this in her confessional and I mean she's totally right like I think there's so many things over time that we've been conditioned to accept and just be like this is just how it is and it's kind of like but it shouldn't be like that like why is it that women are looked at as so weak but literally, if it wasn't for us holding everything together, and for the most part, not in every situation, but if it wasn't for us holding things together, they would fall apart. Why are we supposed to be the responsible one all the time? What about when we want to let loose? What about when we want to, you know, go and pursue the things we want to, you know? Um, we always have to consider everybody else before ourselves. And... I'm not saying like it's a hundred percent the same in all relationships. I'm just saying that I think there's expectations that, you know, when you have kids, Oh, the woman, she's going to be the, she's going to be the one who, you know, is the main caretaker. She's going to be one who carries the brunt of the responsibility when it comes to, you know, doctor's appointments and dentist appointments and all that stuff that's going to fall on her. And it's just expected. It's just like, it's not even a question of like, is, is this right or wrong? It's just like, Oh, that's just how it's going to be. Um, and the whole thing about like the husband being the, the, the other child, it's kind of like we say it in jest, but it's also like we live in a society that wants you to do that, but then also make you feel like you can't, you, I, the man is the one who's, he's going to hold down the family and protect us. And it's like, when you think about it, not to say it's easy, but in a way it's like the man has to go to work and make the money. 
Not to say he doesn't deal with stress with that, but that's what he has to do. The woman has to take care of her child or children. So you got two or three or more different people, personalities, different schedules, different grades, different everything that you have to manage. You still expected to have a spotless house to clean, to cook dinner most of the nights, you know, to tend to everybody, to look beautiful and manicured at all times. That's a lot. It's a lot. And I mean, most of the time you need help. Like I'm a person who I don't live close to my family. So I, we don't have a lot of people we rely on. Doesn't mean that there's not people around who would help, but we just are stubborn and we don't ask for it. But like, it's like you, you gonna get maybe four of those five things. You're not gonna get all of them. Not on a daily basis. Cause that's not realistic. I mean, you truly do need a village, you know, to help hold it up and keep it together. Um, but yeah, so yeah, the whole like fourth child thing is whack and I'm with her on that. And I don't think it should be, I think that we need to stop accepting that and just being like, oh, it's up to me to take care of everybody. It's all on me. Yeah. Um, it, it needs to be spread out. It needs to be shared. The stress needs to be shared. Um, so they also talk about his lunch with Kevin and Chris says he doesn't really know about the situation now and he's kind of confused and, um, it seems like he's in love with her and went to saying a whole bunch of stuff and she's like, Kevin up here trying to swindle you like he swindled Winter. And I think she might be right. Honestly. <laughs> so moving on, Ashley and Quick go on a, a pre-date before the vegan dinner. They have some seafood with that good old bae some crabs and some shrimp and stuff and quick breaks the news to ashley that he is booked for 15 events 15 events in three days and you can tell she don't even want to argue but she knows he's going to work himself into exhaustion and she'll have to deal with everything else she'll have to deal with the kids and you know picking up the pieces because i mean you work 15 events if you if that's five events a day what energy do you have left for us none and he's going to turn around and do it all over again. Um, it just seemed like she's, you know, she's kind of frustrated and she's used to the grind and she's over it. So she just seemed like she's just like, I just don't have it. I don't have it in me to fight you. You already know what it is. This is what you do. It's a continuous cycle. And I just got to be on a ride with you. I don't have a choice. Um, and he says he's appreciative, appreciative of her. And she says she's happy to hear that. And they talk about how they love each other. And they actually are, you know, actually really friends and stuff like that. But I feel bad because if my husband was working all the time and it's not even necessarily about, it's not even just about having to handle the kids by myself, but like, I don't get you. Everybody else gets the best parts of you and I get the scraps that's left over. And that's not fair on every day on like a weekly every day every weekend kind of basis that's tough so we move on to the dinner party it begins um we have tasha and neil lyons who come tasha apparently was monique's makeup artist on that other show and afterwards they became really good friends and they you know they built a sisterhood and um Arena comes and she says she doesn't eat vegan food and she wanted does that doordash deliver because you're telling me everything's vegan? I don't understand. 
<laughs> winter comes and um ashley says she doesn't think they'll vibe because she likes to party and she feels like that kind of behavior is beneath winter monique talks about how um the kids have been homeschooled for the past two years and they've been learning about africa and the family they're going to nairobi kenya and everybody's you know talking about it excited about it that's so that's dope da 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 and Irena says she wants to do that. And Jamie puts his hand up near her face and shushes her. Like, what? Like, what? what's up with that, bro? Like, why? I don't know if it was taken like they edited it. But it was just like, why is that necessary? This is your wife. Why are you putting your hand up to her face and shushing her? Like, well, out of line. Like, I don't get it. I don't I don't know if that was an edit thing. But, uh, yuck. And Winter says in her confessional that Jamie's not that drunk. And it was rude. It was rude. It was dismissive for him to do that to his wife for just saying she wants to do something like that. Like, huh? I don't get it. Um, Jamie, Jamie asks, you know, if they're afraid of getting COVID. And Monique says she doesn't live in fear. And Jamie talks about how he got it. Their friend Neil said he got it. Um, Chris said he got it. He had to take like six Tylenols to get through the night and he had it twice. They they had it twice. And Monique talks about the second time she had it, that it basically like drained all the sodium from her body. And she said she's upstairs and nobody was, nobody was, you know, checking on her. They weren't feeding her and she was upstairs by herself. Nobody, you know, basically like nobody cared. And she said they didn't even bring her any water upstairs. And apparently... You know, from Chris's perspective, he's like, you know, whenever you get rest, you be saying we bothering you. And, she, you know, she snapped at him before. So he wanted to give her ample time to get her rest. And the two start arguing at the table. And Chris asked to speak. And Monique says, you could just go ahead and tell, your, tell the story. But if you're going to tell it, tell it right. And, she, and he hushes her. He was like, do I get to talk now? She's like, yeah, you go ahead and talk. He was like, all right, then hush. I'm like, what is what is going on in the air in this vegan dinner? Why are these men shushing and hushing their wives? What is happening? Why are we doing this? Why are you acting like this in front of company? Like, what's... I have questions. Huh? Y'all make my butt itch. Like, that's a... What? Huh? Anyway, so... That was a lot. And it was very dramatic. And Chris says that he was giving her time. But after Monique told him she needed support, he took better care of her. He was like, go ahead and text me. Text me on my phone and I'll bring you whatever you need. And she was like, well, that's true. That's true. You know, after we talked about it, it was good. So I kind of felt like it was a little bit of Monique being a little, drop, a little dramatic. She put a little 20 on 10. Not the first time we've seen that. Put a little 20 on 10. And Chris was trying to clarify I feel like, and this also from her Potomac days, Monique wants to present herself a certain way. I think we all want to present ourselves a certain way. And anytime somebody says something that could tarnish it, she get like, you could see it in her face. Like it shakes her a little bit because she, she wants to kind of control the narrative. And I, I mean, I think we all have that in us. We want to control the narrative, you know, to whatever extent, but, and maybe Chris is like that too. So when they call each other out, it just gets messy. It gets messy. I mean, after they got into it and the, and the, the air was clear, they did apologize. And, you know, basically we should say, you know, we should have done that in front of y'all. So that was good. But I was like, ooh, ooh, wow. Um, Mo Monique then circles back to Jamie and Arena and says at their marriage celebration, she wanted advice 
but she didn't really get what she wanted. She said, I didn't get the orgasm. And she said, um, they say they're almost 30 year marriage. She knows a roller coaster has come with highs and it's come with lows. And Arena says a low was when she thought Jamie was cheating because of the nightlife and having a whole bunch of women hanging on him. And Winter asked, like, how can a woman look past the infidelities? And Arena said, you know, she heard rumors. She heard things in the streets, but she never actually caught him. So she can't really say it was an infidelity. Like, she was like, I can't say it's an infidelity, but maybe he was cheating. So I feel like she felt like he was unfaithful, but because she never got proof, maybe she's not counting it. I don't know. I, I was I was kind of like a little confused as to how she was trying to break it down. But yeah, I mean, it sounds like he's cheated. That's basic. He cheated. You never saw any evidence, but maybe you didn't look. Maybe you were a person who's like, I know that if I look, I'm going to find something I don't want to see. And once I find something I don't want to see, what am I going to do with the information? Am I going to leave? Probably not. So maybe I should just let it be. That's what I took from it. So yeah. And you could tell that Jamie was like, uncomfortable like with her even saying that much and I'm just like if you did like my thing is if y'all are not there anymore and you did that it's not that you got to open the book and tell every single thing that happened but if you did have indiscretions or whatever just be like listen we it was a time in my life where the nightlife had a hold on me but you we got past it and you know we're we're doing great now or we're better now or whatever because you left it left it with everybody being like so y'all did you did cheat i don't i don't know what i'm supposed to do with that information leaves a lot of confusion ashley and her confessional with quick says that people can make mistakes but that they should own up to their mistakes and arena asked winter you know like how are you doing and winter talks about finding out right before um, her first anniversary that her soon-to-be ex's business was being sued for millions and that his partners pulled out because they found out he was taking money and that he left and he was like I'm gonna fix this and went to his parents house and he said he he said that and it's been six months and so they're preparing for a divorce she served up them papers and Ashley asked, asked, like, how long did y'all know each other before marriage? And Winter says almost a year. And Monique says that her and Chris knew him for a long time. She talks about how Chris was left a little torn and confused after meeting with Kevin for lunch. Winter says she took issue with it because no matter how much he loves her, he lied about his life status, including, like, she said that he told her he lived in a basement apartment, but he didn't say that it was his parents' basement. And Winter says she she's a relationship coach and she was like I did all the things I asked all the questions my family vetted him and we thought he was a good guy and I'm just like what I'm confused this is why I think y'all got married to be on a show I think that he was a decent guy and you hoped it would, would pan out but maybe you thought that would secure your spot on love and marriage DC as a full-time you know couple I don't know I could be totally wrong but that's just my sneaking suspicion Cause things, the math is not mathing, and that's it, y'all. That's that's episode two. That's 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 where we at. So if you listen this long, thank you so much. Thank you for rocking with me, even though I'm a little inconsistent, but I'm still working hard to bring you those episodes, those episode summaries. So if you like my podcast, please share it with someone that you know. Please listen to it wherever you listen to podcasts. And if you have any suggestions or questions or anything, you just want to say hi, you can send me a 
uh, email at gowtfpodcast at gmail.com. That's gowtfpodcast at gmail.com. Thank you so much. And until next time, y'all be good and have a great week. Peace.